It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 707 at News Talk WSB, 60 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful. And here's something I can give you right now that'll be more successful for you, and you won't believe how effective it is, controlling fire ants in the fall. This is the perfect time for the next three weeks, four weeks maybe, to control fire ants outdoors. This is the greatest time in the world because... Fire ants right now are foraging like crazy. They're looking for food to put into the mound to store during the wintertime, things for them to eat, things to take care of the queen. And so they're all out looking for food right now. And if you were to have some bait and put it out, and the fire ants were to take that bait down into the mound to feed to the queen, then all of a sudden everybody's dead and you have no fire ants. This is the time to do it. Springtime is pretty good. Fall is even better because there's so many of them out, and they're all looking for food. And if you have a bait to put out, Andro, I think, is the bait that I'm most familiar with that you can find easily. But they do a great job controlling fire ants this time of year. And you probably saw this. I mean, did you saw this on the news about the big mounds of fire ants, the big floating rafts of fire ants, big balls of fire ants that are floating on the water in Texas, in Houston, after the floods over there, which I thought was really fascinating. But they had pictures of putting, like, rocks on top of a mound of fire ants, and the rocks slowly sink down through the mass of fire ants. They said it was like ketchup. You got one, and you put it into a place where they could flow over an edge, and the whole mound of fire ants would slowly flow over the edge as they try to preserve themselves, not in the ground, but in mats of live fire ants protecting the queen, the big gob of ants. That was creepy, actually, sort of to see that. But they said one of the best ways to, to kill those ants is to spray them a little bit with, with soap and water because the soap and water breaks up the water tension, the surface tension on the water, and causes the ants to go ahead and drop below the surface and drown. I didn't know that, but that's what the reporter said was recommended to do. But nonetheless, to repeat, now is a great time to kill fire ants. Put a bait out. Look on the label. It should say bait. If it says bait, put it out, spread it out evenly across the landscape, and you will not have fire ants for months and months and months and months. They just eat it up and they die. Joanne is in Greensboro, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Joanne, good morning. Hey, Walter. I am struggling over cutting a royal purple smoke bush yeah. down to the ground. <laughs> oh, man, what do you um, want to do that for? Well, uh, this is about the fourth year, and with all the rain this year, yeah. it, I have two. <laughs> One, it, I've, tri- I've tree-formed, and it was looking really good as a tree, yeah. okay? The other one <clears throat> is more of a bush. It's just multi-trunked. Um, and they're just rangy. I didn't prune them this spring. I've read your article yeah. uh, online, and it is confusing. I understand if you want to cut them at one time and sacrifice the bloom right. and do it then. Right. If you want to do it, if you you know just want the purple foliage. But my purple foliage is beautiful in the spring, and it's up against a bank of Illy Agnes, and it really stands out. But it slowly turns green over after 
you know, the spring, over the months of the summer, yeah. uh, within a month or two, it, it, they turn green. Yeah, it so, does that. Don't, that's natural. It's called viridescence is the name for the phenomenon of um, purple Japanese maples do the same thing. You'll have green, it'll turn purple in the spring, yeah. look great, and, and then it'll green down in the summertime. And that's why you buy them the purple foliage, you yeah. know? You want the purple color. Well, and move up to North Georgia green. where it's a little cooler in the summertime. It'll be purple all year long up there. Um, yeah. <laughs> so as far as pruning them, the best thing I think you can accomplish is just selectively pruning the tallest limbs, the ones that are way, way, way too tall. Prune right. them down and get them out of the way. Once they're done, you'll hopefully have some limbs left that you haven't touched at all, and they'll be the ones that make the flowers, the smoke, if you call it that, on yeah. the smoke bush. So selectively so prune pruning. them now? Yeah, it's a little early. I think I'd wait till it's cooler now. Wait till the okay. leaves have fallen well, off. Oh, okay, so wait till it's bare. Now, not after the first of the year, say late winter. May it, can, is it possible to prune them, um, you're saying, after the leaves fall off? Yeah, after cooler, the leaves have fallen talking. off. So 1st of December through the 1st of February, I think, would be any, oh, any okay, interval in there. Would be fine. That's what I thought you were going to say. Even if they're, we're talking six-foot stems? Yeah, there was one in front okay. of the courthouse indicator that was... 10, 12, 15 feet high. It was a big monster okay. over there, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, cutting the ones, in order to shape it, I've looked at it. My, uh, on one that's tree formed, I, if I were to go out now and to shape it, I'd be cutting about four, four to five feet. Uh, if uh, The other one, maybe six or more, it, reaching down in and really cutting the longest limb. So yeah, I if it, if it's healthy, much, if it's you do it in the wintertime, it's a healthy plant, it's not going to care. It won't, okay. won't be bothered so, at all. Only other quick thing I know about Lantana. I have some too called Moselle. They mm-hmm. got, and I know they've all they're they're like Miss Huff, only bigger, uh, probably six foot high, wow, ten foot wide, nice. and I've got two of them. Yeah, you mentioned a long time ago. I heard you say something about a second print when they first come up in the spring and they get a certain height. You could prune them again. Am I? Did I dream that? Why did I say that? I don't know why I would have said that. I don't know. That. I thought no. maybe to control the height. I think you were talking about a Miss Huff at the time. I guess you could. I don't see why not. They, I learned a new word when we went on our garden trip to England this year, something called the Chelsea Chop. <laughs> the Chelsea Chop. And I inquired, what are you talking about when they said they had done the Chelsea Chop last week? They said, well, whenever the Chelsea Flower Show is there in London, we chop all of our perennials down to about half of the height they are at that point, and that chopping gives them the uh, sturdiness so they don't flop over later in the in the summer and fall. And so you can do the Chelsea Chop on the Lantanas, I guess, and make them a little more sturdy, shorter, and better off to uh, you know be more in control, I guess, during the rest of the year. Chelsea Chop. Good word. I like that word a lot. Joanne, I got to go. Let's get out of here. It's 714 at News Talk WSB. Let's go to Dave in Decula. Hey, Dave. Good morning. Welcome to Lawn and Garden. Good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm fine. How can I help, Dave? Well, we're confused on when and and, uh, how much to put out as far as winterization and uh, fertilizing. In fact, we were getting ready to go out and do weed and feed this morning. My wife had been to a course sometime back that said, Every 45 days, put out weed and feed, and and mm. we've been doing that. But then in the spring, we have just terrible amounts of weeds. So yeah. we're trying to find out the best time to winterize and uh, do all this stuff and when. I want to mention that the word winterizer is a made-up word. 
Uh, it's I'm not going to say which brand name of fertilizer made it up, but nonetheless, you don't put that fertilizer out in the winter. In fact, the last time that I would even try thinking about putting winterizer out is the middle of September. It helps to theoretically prepare some grasses for the stresses of winter, but I don't think it's necessary in every every situation. But if you're going to put a winterizer fertilizer out, do it between now and the middle of this month. Don't not any later than that. Again, grass is going to sleep. Grass is you know declining right now, and so it doesn't need fertilizer after the middle of this month at all. Um, as far as weed and feed, I'll be the truthful. There are many times when I think people get in more trouble using a weed and feed than they would if they simply used a weed control agent at the right time and a fertilizer at the right time and separated those two functions. Weed and feed sometimes can be confusing to the weeds and the grasses you're trying to control or the grasses you're trying to grow. And I think separating the two functions many times is better than trying to combine the two in one bag. So, well, and I'll be specific about that. In the spring, I've seen weed and feed advertised heavily at one of the big box stores around the middle of March, saying, put your weed and feed out right now for your right. Bermuda lawn. And Bermuda does not green up even until mid to late April. And so for six weeks, all that fertilizer that might have been in the weed and feed you put out at the 1st of March when it was advertised is actually wasted. It's just volatilizing. It's going somewhere else. It's feeding the weeds that are out right then. It's mm. certainly not feeding the grass. The grass could care less about fertilizer in the 1st of March, for Bermuda particularly. So, again, sometimes the advertising and the claims, I wish we would do a little bit more Again, separating the two functions. If you're going to put a weed control out, do a pre-emergent in March. If you're doing broadleaf weed control, spot spraying or over-the-top spraying during the summertime, do that separately from the times you put your fertilizer out, which is usually every every six weeks or so. Hmm. All right, so forget about weed and feed today. I didn't say that. I said if you're going to get it done between now and the middle of September. Okay. All right. All right. All right, one other quick one, quick globosa. One. Are you familiar with that kind of a little evergreen plant? But what again? I didn't, didn't a hear globosa? you. A globosa? A globosa, that would be one of the... Um, Shrub? Yeah, yeah. What about it? We're trying to figure out how to trim this thing without making it look brown for the ne- next six months. Mm-hmm. Don't do, do it severely, because all those evergreen needle evergreen plants, if you prune them severely, like back down to the brown, or in this case probably into the golden prune the golden part off down to the brown part of the plant, it won't come back very well. So very light pruning and sort of reduce it in gradual steps from, you know, you can take six inches off at a time sometimes, but don't do it in one big whack where you take 12 inches off the plant back to the brown. Boy, it will not come back from that. But the right time to do it, better time to do it would be in spring, but you could do a little bit of pruning right now. It wouldn't hurt it probably at all. It's 718 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back right after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves and the lawn and garden advice you need. Well, the first days are the hardest days. Don't you worry anymore. We don't worry in this show. No, we don't. No danger at our door. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. 
Temperature today will be in the mid to low 80s, 80 to 84 degrees, we think, and overnight lows in the 60s. Right now it's 60.8 degrees outside. Tomorrow about the same. Mostly sunny both days. No chance of rain either place. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. DJ is in Decatur, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, DJ. Good morning. Walking through... Uh Big box stores. I'm. Yeah. I was wanting to reseat my fescue lawn, and I saw a, a bag that said said contractors mix, and I was wondering, uh, do you know anything about that at all? Generally speaking, they are lesser quality than the brand names. Oh, okay. Um, so that sort of summarizes what you wanted to know. <laughs> but let me just give a little bit more information about that. Yes, sir. In my view, there are three grades. I'll call it in my head. Uh, fescue seed. There's Kentucky 31 fescue. It's cheap, it's easy, it's been around for a million years, and your lawn will look like a pasture. It's <laughs> not a good turf-type looking grass, but it's cheap. That's good. Right. And if you had a big, 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 huge lawn, maybe Kentucky 31 would make, make sense to use. Mm-hmm. Up from that a little bit is contractor grade, which is usually some Kentucky 31 mixed with one of the older kinds of fescue seed. Not the greatest, but still better looking than Kentucky 31, and mixing the two together gives you sort of a nice looking lawn. And so the contractors use it to put it out, get the green grass up, sell the house, get out of here, you know, that kind of situation. And then up from that are the name brand blends, the Pennington blends, Rebel blend, uh, Lesco blend. There's all several blends, and generally speaking, those blends are the best quality, and they charge more for them because they're the latest improved heat tolerant disease tolerant fescue seeds and they're more likely to give you a nice green lawn for a long time so yes sir. given that choice i'm going with the blends i think they do better right and one other question uh start a fertilizer before uh, planting the seed is, is yeah. that okay absolutely Oh. And, you know, you got time to do a soil test if you want to, DJ, but you can call uh, 1-800-ASK-UGA-1, or you can go to georgiasoiltest.com and give your details on doing a soil test, or you can drive by Pike. I think Pike has some soil test bags over there as well. It's 727 at News Talk WSB. Back to more Lawn and Garden right after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.36 on a Saturday morning. By the way, we're looking forward. Next Saturday, we will not be here. We will be at the Fall Home Show at the Cobb Galleria. I meant to mention that at the top of the hour today, but you will be able to get in to see the show to next Saturday for free. Get in to see just the radio show, a little bit of the Dave Baker show, and then the home show for free, as long as you know the password, which is reliable. And so you want to make your plans to come to the Fall Home Show at the Cobb Galleria next Saturday. And uh, you can come in anytime from 6 a.m. until 9 a.m. And at the gate, they'll say, what's the password? You say, reliable. They walk you in. And you can watch the radio show, ask questions during the radio show, see Dave Baker for a while during the radio show. And at 10 o'clock, the home show gates open, and you go see the home show. You don't have to pay anything to get in there. I'll be speaking next Friday at the home show. And for details, go to atlantahomeshow.com. We'll have Michael Schopenhorst on the air with us this morning around, I think, 8 o'clock is when Michael's calling in. Richard in Blue Ridge, he's calling in right this minute. Richard, join us on Lawn and Garden. Hi, Richard. Good morning. Hi. What can I do to help? 
Well, my question is fall vegetables out, outside of the kale family, because I know they can go in now. Sure. Um, broccoli I can put in now. Oh, yeah. and, and Blue Ridge, the, oh, sure. It's cool. It's you know, cooling off real fast in Blue Ridge. You're fine. Uh, and peas, sugar snap peas? Ooh, too young, too too early for them. I don't put the sugar snap peas in until February usually. Yeah, well, uh, that's for the spring crop. Yeah. I was thinking maybe I could get some in here before the freeze. You <laughs> might. Let me know about that, <laughs> Richard. I'll, I'll do it as an experiment. I've got some <laughs> seeds left over from last spring. Yeah. Now, what about... Uh, uh, Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts, collards, kale, cabbage, all the cruciferous vegetables go in now. All right, so broccoli and Brussels sprouts yeah. and, the, and uh, maybe the peas will make. And don't forget that if you want to avoid the cabbage loopers, those little butterflies or moths, whatever it is that makes the cabbage caterpillars, they're all over right now, everywhere they're right now. And yeah, so spray I know. Those, the, those caterpillars yeah, are, spray are the leaves a pain first. on the broccoli. Spray the leaves as you plant them, and then every five or six, seven days, probably every seven days will be fine, but spray with one of the organic caterpillar killers. It'll keep those caterpillars from eating up the leaves, because they will sure enough eat them up. They'll be lacy by middle October if you don't spray yeah. something for the caterpillars. All right. Thank you much. All right, Richard. Thanks for calling. We've got, who's we got next at 738? Mike. Mike is in Woodstock and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Hi, Walter. Good morning. Hey, um, I, I have a uh, Xeon Zoysia lawn that is about three years old. Right. Um, it's doing just great, uh, where the Bermuda did not. And um, uh, it grows pretty much like a weed, but the only weed that seems to compete with it and keep compete with it fairly successfully is kind of a tall, grassy-looking weed yeah. that I'm told is nutsage. Yeah, sure. Um, and I'm just wondering, uh, I've, I've also been told it's kind of a war to beat nutsage and that the timing <laughs> is important um, because you don't want to harm the zoysia. And just wondering what your advice is on trying to get nutsage out of zoysia. The, the best product I've found is called Sage Ender. Pike sells it. Sage Ender works like a charm. Okay, and does it matter what time of year I put it down, and, and am I likely to harm the zoysia putting it down um, at this I, time of year? I don't remember any warning about harming grasses. The time to do it is during the, the growing season for the nut sedge because the chemical that's in sedge ender is absorbed by the roots. It's not absorbed by the leaves much at all, and so you have to get it watered in. So you try to do it before it's going to rain or use a sprinkler to irrigate it in either way. But when you put the sedge ender down, get, wait about two weeks, and that's when you sort of see the green of the shiny green nut sedge leaves sort of turn grayish, and then they turn yellow, and they'll flop down and go flat. And then you know the sedge ender has worked. But that'll be about three weeks after you apply it, as long as you water it in real good immediately after application. Great. You said that sage ender? As sage. I'm sorry. My accent sage. got ahead okay. of me, didn't it? Sage <laughs> ender. Sage got ender, it. Mike. All right. Okay. All Thank right, you. Sage Ender, Pike, go get some. It'll work fine. Will do. Thanks. All right, you bet. There's actually two kinds of nut sedge. There's yellow nut sedge and purple nut sedge, and they're distinguished by what the seed heads look like and a little bit of groove on the leaf. But they grow a little bit differently underground. Both of them have the nuts that grow, and they make chains of uh, nuts underground. And that's the reason why nut sedge is so hard to control otherwise, other than by chemicals. If you pull up the 
the leaf, the nut is left in the ground, or the nut that's next door to it is left in the ground, or the nut that's down the chain is left in the ground, and it sprouts up, and if you don't pull it, then it keeps on going. So chemical control of yellow and purple nut sedge is probably the only way you can get control of it unless you're really hardcore and want to dig them up by hand, use a trowel or something to get into the ground and get those nuts up out of the ground. Um, Image is another product, I-M-A-G-E, Image for Nut Sedge. You can buy it most stores around. The problem with Image is it only controls one of the nut sedges. It only controls yellow nut sedge and not purple very well. So that's why I say Sedge Ender seems to me to be the best way to go for the um, nut sedge control. Jan in Milledgeville is with us. Hey, Jan, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure, Jan. How can I help? My husband and I recently built a little fire pit in our backyard. It turned out really nice. It's circular. And we decided to make it look even nicer. Um, we're going to build a little, pa- I'm, I'm going to call it a patio around it. Yeah, in nice. other words, with, with uh, like, uh, not like concrete, okay, with those little things that you put in. That's that right. paper thing. Yeah, sure. Got it. Um, you know, and then with stones to fill in around it. Well, in order to do that, we um, we have a home that has mature trees, and they're not quite close, but some of them have roots that are extending into that area, which, of course, we have to cut them. Uh, yeah. That's gonna, we can't do this with those roots. But my question is, will those roots, this is a dumb question, but will those roots grow back after we cut them and kind of come up under everything again, or will the roots Probably, grow? <laughs> because roots... Obviously, you think about what is underneath that patio. It's going to be warm. It's going to be moist. It's going to be, generally speaking, softer soil there than it was before. And the roots are going to say, I don't care if you chopped us off earlier, Jan. That really looks nice there underneath your patio. And some uh, of the roots, yes, will grow up into and amongst the patio stones. Ooh, no but way. Now you, you want to know what to do about that? I can tell you what to do. I'm afraid to hear this, but... It's not hard. It's really not hard. It's not hard at all. You dig a trench around the patio, at least 12 inches deep, and drop some aluminum flashing. You, you, you buy rolls of aluminum flashing from hardware stores. They use it for roofing most of the time. But you can take aluminum flashing and drop it into a trench so that it makes a barrier. So the roots can't go through it. They have to dive deeply underneath. And generally speaking, that'll keep the roots out of the, uh, out of the patio. So aluminum flashing. Aluminum flashing, yeah. It's just a roll of aluminum flashing. You go to the hardware store and tell them that's what you need. And they say, how much do you need, ma'am? 50 feet, 100 feet, 200 feet? You just tell them what you have, and they'll, they'll uh, get you the right amount of stuff, and you put it in as you're constructing your patio, and then you don't have to worry so much about the roots coming in. So we just um, put that uh, flashing around the – it's going to be circular. Yeah. So we just put that around the circle, the edge of the circle – you and, got it. And you said dig it in a little bit? So I think it needs down. to be a, a trench 12 inches deep that you, 12 inch wide flashing can drop into it. So you slide it down into the trench that's 12 inches deep and then backfill around it so the, the flashing acts as a barrier for the roots. Oh, okay. Well, there's, a, there's an idea. We'll use it. All right. It's a lot of work, but it'll look real pretty and you'll be sitting around that fire thinking about, oh, I don't have any roots here to trip me when I'm working on the patio. It's so very nice during the wintertime. It'll be real nice, Jan. Great. Thank you. Thanks for calling. Have a good day. 44 minutes past the hour, and that gives Lynn, Linda excuse me, Linda, her turn from Lithonia. Hey, Linda. Good morning. Good morning. How can I help? I, uh, I have a mop head hydrangea, Yeah. and it first got little brown spots on the leaves, maybe big as a nickel or a quarter, and now then all the leaves are dropping off. Me too. 
<laughs> I looked okay. at mine yesterday and thought, man, I wish I'd done something about those brown spots two weeks, three weeks, four <laughs> weeks ago. I wish I'd done something about them back when I first noticed them. And mm -hmm. I didn't, because I didn't think it'd be that bad. But the rain and humidity and everything has been just right for it. It's a leaf spot disease. It's very, very common on hydrangeas. It's called Cercospora leaf spot. It's almost always associated with um, humidity and moisture on the leaves. And so if you have rain constantly, and we've had a lot of rain you know, in the last month or so, then the Cercospora sets up and the leaves get it and then they look ugly and then they fall off. There's, there's how it goes. So at this point, there's not much that you can do, Linda, because the leaves, most of the leaves on my hydrangea have the spots on it, and it doesn't cure anything. It simply prevents it from starting in the first place, which is why I should have sprayed with a fungicide back in, gosh, July, early uh, August. I should have sprayed back then, but I didn't. Okay. So we're just going to have to look at it. All right. But come, come back next year, they'll, they won't have that. Next year, if we have a rainy summer, they will have with, that again. You know, they won't come back with it on them when they come back. No, they won't come back in the spring. Okay. It'll be only depending on what the weather and the you know environmental conditions mm -hmm. are during the summer will determine how much you have it in the fall. In some places that have hydrangeas that are pretty closely packed together and maybe against a fence where there's not much air circulation, so they stay wet for a longer period of time, mm -hmm. they'll have it every year just because the air circulation and the moisture and Folks that have the hydrangeas against a garage wall or against a <clears throat> backyard landscape wall, they should probably think about spraying every year for the fungicide Fungi. in July. Yeah. Okay. I'll keep that in mind. All right. Thank you so much. You bet. Thanks for calling, Linda. Bye-bye. It's 46 minutes past the hour, and I know we can get Darlene in here. Darlene is out in Oxford in Newton County. Hey, Darlene. Good morning. Hi. How are you doing? I'm great. How can I help? Um, we had some tree stumps ground and we have so many shavings, and I was wondering, is it safe to put that, you know, like leave it in the hole and add dirt to plant something on top, or do we have to remove it? Is it safe for flowers? Uh, safe is, is not the problem. The problem is that those chips that are in the ground um, feed the fungi and things that are trying to decompose them. You know, chips in the ground get decomposed by various things, and every one of those fungi and bacteria that try to decompose chips also steal nitrogen from any place they can find it in the soil. So if you uh, put a flower in there, the flower says, where's my nitrogen? And all the fungi are saying, we're using it to decompose the chips. Uh -huh. So what you can do, if you want to plant flowers in those holes or grass over the top, whatever you plants you want to have, mm -hmm. add more fertilizer than you might normally put there, a little double handful maybe, or a little bit more miracle Grow if you use that for your flowers. Use a little bit more more often than you normally would, and that'll give the fungi something to eat while they decompose the chips, and the flowers something to eat while they're growing. Okay. And could I ask one more quick question? Real quick. You have 22 seconds. Okay. My husband spread a lot of that up under the um, pecan trees. Yeah. Is that okay? Perfectly fine. Okay, just not no. in the ground. Just not in the ground is where it seals nitrogen. On top of the ground is a mulch. No problem at all. All right. Well, I thank you so much. And we're at the end. There we go. 22 seconds is gone. Thanks for calling, Darlene. It is 748. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need.
And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. High today around the mid-80s, mid to low 80s, probably 83, 84 degrees. Overnight lows in the mid-60s. Right now it's 60.6 degrees. Tomorrow about the same. Mostly sunny all day long. High around 84. No rain in the forecast. And the full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And a reminder that tomorrow is Sunday. You can pick up your Sunday Atlanta Journal-Constitution for in-depth news coverage. Clip and save hundreds of dollars in coupons. Your Sunday Atlanta Journal-Constitution. At 7.55, John is in Jonesboro and joins us. Hey, John. Morning. Oh, good morning, Walter. How can I help, John? Uh, about, uh, about three years ago, I put in a uh, centipede sod lawn, and uh, I've got it looking pretty good, pretty flush. Uh, about uh, six weeks ago, the gas company came in and had to redo some line, and they uh, dug up about all pretty close to 80 to 100 feet of uh, sod yeah. and jammed uh, it back down. They're about to put some sod back in the landscaper is. Uh, as soon as they got it in, I was just about ready to uh, spread or put pre-emergent out. And mm. I was wondering about, uh, you know, if that's going to hurt it if I still put pre-emergent out with the new sod. That is a great, great question. You're a smart guy for thinking about it, John. Some of the pre-emergent chemicals do inhibit rooting. And they'll say on the label, do not apply, do not, uh, apply before or after sod for at least so many weeks. It has sort of the parameters on the re- label. So if I were you, before I did any pre-emergent, I'd just simply go and re- start reading labels. There's dithiapyr, there's prodiamine, there's two or three other chemicals that are used for, for pre-emergent. And some of them, and I don't remember which it is, it does inhibit rooting and would be not good to put on the new grass or the new sod that's been put in for the, for the wound that the power company did. Okay, real good. Uh, one other quick question, if you don't mind. They put potash out. I had a... Uh, uh, one of the uh, companies, uh, uh, lawn care companies, um, last year, and they put out potash. Mm-hmm. I said it was should help roots. Uh, on is that really helping centipede? Because my lawn didn't look real good while they were doing it. Well, it depends on what the soil has in it and what the grass desires. And the only way you can really determine that easily is with a soil test. And if they were just sort of looking at it and saying, "Hmm, I think I think John needs some potash," and he threw it out there. They don't know whether the grass needs it, whether the soil had enough potash to begin with anyway. So before you let anybody put fertilizer out, go have a soil test done. you got the Jonesboro, Clayton County Extension Office. It's there in Jonesboro. Go yeah, I did that. Yeah, okay, good. And did it say you need potash then? Well, I haven't checked it this year. I was uh, going to check it again. Check it again then to see what the test requirements are. And when the soil test says you need potash, put it out according to the soil test uh, report. It's 7.58 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news.